You hate Jesus and Santa Claus. I don't hate Jesus or Santa Claus. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man who spent the last month hosting a fake podcast in his basement because he misses this so much. My brother, Mike. Damn straight I'm the host of that podcast. I'm a better host than you, for sure. What's that podcast about, Mike? That was exactly what I was going to ask you. What do you think it would be about? Miniature Um, porcelain dolls. Declining in your 30s? Peaking in your late teens? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Late teens? No way. It was definitely my early to mid-20s. That was my time, baby. Sure. Sure it was. Uh, Hold on to them days, Mike. On this episode... We'll update you on all the stuff that's been happening since the end of the season, which initially I thought was not very much. And then I started to write it all down and I'm like, actually, it's quite a bit of stuff that's been happening since the end of the season. So we'll dig into the minutiae of early offseason stuff from the Royals. Uh, And then we're going to have a discussion about the Royals offseason plans and opportunities with our friend David Lesky from Inside the Crown, who's going to join us for our spotlight segment this week. But first, a reminder to follow us on all the social medias because we are on a bunch of them. We're on, what are we on, Mike? Twitter? We're on TikTok. We're on YouTube. I've been posting threads. a lot of threads. Mike's on threads. <laughs> I, I haven't uh, posted on threads since the season ended. <laughs> well, get with it, man. That's not how you get the people. In. I will. No. I will. I'll get back on it. I'll get back on it. I've been posting like feature videos, videos I only make for YouTube. I've been oh, posting those, those on really TikTok yeah. and uh, Instagram and and YouTube and stuff like that. So make sure you're following us on all that. Subscribe on YouTube. All that sort of stuff. It helps us a ton. Leave us reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts and everything. It's just a great way to engage with us, and we like it a lot. We like to mix it up with the Weekly Weirdos whenever we can. Also, I want to remind you that Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. They took excellent care of our mother when surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out, be active. It's not just brute strength either. She, uh, She runs like a deer. At 72. Yeah, the excellent specialized care she got it all in physical therapy had her back to being active in no time. If Usain Bolt would stop ducking her, she could show the world this top-level speed. It's it's insane. For somebody so short, you wouldn't expect it, but it's wild. All in physical therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lee Summit's own Tommy Freevert, a former Arena League, Arena League football player, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit, so get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All In Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-PT.com. This is normally where we'd review things, but uh, we're going to do a slightly different thing. It may seem like nothing's happened since the Royal season ended way back on October 1st. It's so long ago since the season ended. I'm like, oh, it's been over a month since the season ended, everyone. We've had an entire playoffs uh, since since the season ended. But really, things are happening in that time, even though, you know, it's tough, it's tough to think. So mostly the Royals have been preparing the roster for the offseason. As a result, a few players were removed from the Royals 40-man. Those players are Tyler Cropley. Taylor Hearn, Tucker Davidson, Bubba Thompson, and Nate Eaton. Cropley and Hearn were waived and then outrighted to Omaha and will remain with the organization. Davidson and Thompson were claimed off waivers by the Orioles and Reds, respectively. 
Uh, and yes, it is tough to have to learn the distinction between being waived and being DFA'd and being, it's a, there's a whole tiny minutia of roster rules I had to dig into earlier today to do this. <laughs> uh, anyway, no word yet on Nate Eaton. He was designated for assignment, which is different than being waived. Uh, and so we may not hear on him for the next few days. There's still a few days to get a trade for him or something like that. So I'm sure they're exploring stuff like that. Mike, do you have thoughts about these moves to clear space on the 40 men? I was a little bit surprised by a couple of them. The Davidson one was a little surprising for me, not because I think Davidson is somebody you have to hang on to, but because the Royals thought that he was good enough to pitch major league innings. And so I thought if they think he's good enough to pitch major league innings and their bullpen is so bad right now, I figured they would probably keep him, but I'm not shocked by it or anything like that. A little bit sad about Nate Eaton because he does seem to have some potential or some value in certain areas but he has never shown the ability to hit at Major League Baseball. So I'm hoping maybe for Nate Eaton that there is maybe a change of scenery coming or something, maybe another organization unlocks some potential and he can be a fourth outfielder in the bigs or something because he is fun to watch. He is seems like a good guy and definitely gives you the effort when he's in there. Yeah, I, I thought all the moves were, were solid moves. I'm, I'm kind of a cut that 40 man to the core kind of a guy. And I want it to be real deep because I, I want them making a lot of moves this offseason. But it is sad to see a guy like Eaton go. He is a fun guy to watch play baseball. To me, he represents sort of a classic 4A player. Decent enough outfielder at multiple positions, but never going to hit enough to uh, really stick at the major league level. But I like watching him play. And, and I hope that somebody can unlock uh, what he's got going on, or that if he sticks around with the Royals, he does represent some good depth in Omaha. He's not a, a great major league player right now, but you know, if you had to have somebody, if you desperately needed somebody from your system to come up and play the outfield for you, he wouldn't be the worst option as somebody stashed in Omaha to do something like that. And so, yeah, I uh, hope he can stick around with the Royals, but I totally understand if he finds an opportunity somewhere else and maybe can try and uh, reboot his career a little bit. These moves, along with the free agency of Brad Keller and Zach Granke, brings the Royals 40-man roster to exactly 40. Uh, November 14th is the Rule 5 deadline, so they'll have to make decisions about who they want to protect, what guys they want to kick off the 40-man between now and then, and who they want to protect who's currently not on the 40-man. We're going to talk about this a little bit with David Lesky when he joins us for the Spotlight segment, but Mike, what would you like to see done with the 40-man roster before November 14th? I'd still like to see a lot more done, to be honest with you. I'm with you in the cut it to the core, you know, kind of a thing. Um I would start by trading Olivares and Salvi. I mean, you've got to get a couple trades in there to get, I, I would like to see those guys gone because of the value that they can bring back. Now, the question is, would that value that they bring back, would they be put on the 40 man roster? That's the real, the real thing there. You know, is it, are you getting guys that are close to major league ready? Uh, and do they need to be on the 40 man? That's a, a good question, but you've got to do as much as you can to cut it down because they need room to revamp the bullpen. They need a lot of bullpen pieces that need to be added. And that's on top of the starting pitching that they need added. So yeah, you got to cut it down big time. And you're going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I see five guys who are automatic cuts and then a couple of possibilities. I think Jonathan Heasley's an automatic cut. Jackson Kowar's an automatic cut. Taylor or Joshua Taylor's an automatic cut. Josh Stallman's an automatic cut. And Diego Hernandez. They're all they're automatic cuts for me. Ooh, even Hernandez. Yeah, Hernandez even too, right? Because at this point, if you cut him, I don't think anybody's picking him up. Nobody thinks he's major league ready or anything like that. And so I don't I don't think he's leaving the Royals organization if you do cut him from the 40 man. And so, you know, just go ahead and get it done. And if so, 
no big deal. It's the odds of Hernandez becoming a productive major leaguer aren't great anyway. And so I'm cutting him. I'm cutting Stamont. Stamont's an injury thing more than anything. I just don't know that he'll ever get back to what he was when he was fully healthy and looked electric out of the bullpen. Heasley, Kowar, and Joshua Taylor, they're just guys who haven't been effective. And you can only hold on to that dream for so long. And so that's five guys. I see other possibilities as well. I think they could get rid of as many as seven fairly easily. Um, from this 40 man roster, but uh, we can talk more about that later when Lesky gets here. I, I think you, you basically, you look at anybody who you see as a replacement level player uh, to create, to get rid of, because if they're a replacement level player, you can go down and get a guy in AAA that you can add to the 40 man. If you need to, you don't need a replacement level guy taking up a 40 man spot unless they've got, unless there's like, okay, there's obvious potential there. But you've seen what Heasley has. You've seen what Kowar has. You've seen what Josh Taylor has. You know, I don't know that you need to be holding precious 40-man spots for those guys. Now, the Royals aren't in a dire 40-man situation because there's not a whole lot of guys they have to protect from the Rule 5 draft this year. But you've got a lot of guys you need to add yeah. just as far as talent goes. So, yeah, they need to be adding guys via trade and free agency. And though they're going to take up 40 man spots as well. So I'd be cutting to the bone with this 40 man roster that includes, and I'll talk more about this later. Maybe Nick Prado is there. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll dig into that later. We'll dig into that later. Uh, there are, there was some actual baseball played by guys in the Royals organization over the course of the last month as part of the Arizona Fall League, a league uh, thought of as a finishing school so, sort of for prospects. It happens basically in the month of October, a little bit into November. Uh, the Royals sent Peyton Wilson, Gavin Cross, CJ Alexander, Anhel Zerpa, Beck Way, Eric Sarantola, and Rylan Kaufman to the Arizona Fall League to play there. They also sent Nick Lofton initially, but he got pulled pretty quickly, I think because his wife gave birth, if I'm not mistaken. And then Daniel Lynch, curiously and oddly, made like one start in the Arizona Fall League just as like preparation to go pitch in winter ball. And so like, you know, it was just a weird one-off kind of thing. Mike, of that group, who has stood out to you in the Fall League? Well, I appreciate you leaving him for me because, you know, I'm a big fan of his. That's Peyton Wilson. Uh, Peyton Wilson got a lot of time in Arizona. Uh, he was 20 for 73, five doubles, one triple, and two home runs. That's pretty good power production for a guy who's not really known as a as a power guy, although he does have a little pop. He's, he can also run. Uh, fifth, the, the biggest thing for him, though, the best indicator for what he did in the Fall League, 15 walks to 18 strikeouts. And that is fantastic for a guy who has really, really worked on, you know, pitch selection and being more patient at the plate Walks are going to be a big part of his game. He's going to have to, uh, he's going to have to take walks. It's going to have to happen. So uh, his slash line, 274 for an average is pretty good, but I love the 396 on base and the 452 slugging is, is something to really uh, dream on. I guess you could kind of say for a guy who can play some multiple defensive positions, probably second base for his best position, but I've always dreamed of him as a center fielder. I, I don't know that he's had enough time in center, I don't know that he's how good he is in center, but I've always kind of dreamed with that athleticism, the ability to run, he would uh, be able to play some center. But um, even second base is a good place if if he can continue to hit like that. I'm going to say this because I've been thinking about it for like the last three days. I think Peyton Wilson can play you a backup shortstop. I think he he definitely has the quickness and athleticism to get to balls. He's got the range. The only question is his arm. Can he throw? And yes, he would be a below average arm at shortstop, but Guys have done it 
for a long time. David Eckstein did it for a long time. Other guys have done it for a long time. If, if you need him at short, I think he could be a guy. Everybody uses Eckstein. <laughs> Even look at a guy like Nicky Lopez. Nicky Lopez doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. He played a great shortstop. If you know how to get to the ball, get to it quickly and get it out of your glove quickly, then you don't need to have the strongest arm in the world to play short. He won't make the plays super deep in the hole like Bobby Wood Jr. does maybe, but he can get to a lot of balls. He can play the, he can, he has great hands. He's a really good defender at second. I think he could play you a backup shortstop if needed. You know, There's a pitcher down there for the Royals who's been really impressive as well, and that's Eric Sarantola. He's a guy who popped on the scene a little bit for the Northwest Arkansas uh, late in the season last year. He, he's given up uh, 12 hits in 12 innings, which is a little too many for me, but also a ton of strikeouts, 18 strikeouts in those 12 innings, five earned runs, five walks. He's really been killing it. Looks like he at least could be a, a relief prospect for the Royals down there in Arizona. That's been really good. Uh, and so hopefully he can uh, continue and we'll see what he does next year, either starting at, I bet he starts at double A, maybe he ends up making it to triple A sometime halfway through the season. Mike, has anyone disappointed you down in the Arizona Fall League at this point? Well, yeah, you know, uh, Gavin Cross, you know, he had a really disappointing year in minor league baseball. You wanted to see him maybe go to the Arizona Fall League and figure some things out. Uh, he didn't get a ton of at-bats down there, but five for 22, only one extra base hit in those 22 at-bats and it was a double. Uh, four walks to six Ks, you know, maybe there's improvement in there, but there's not a lot showing in those numbers. Uh, he needs to figure out the strikeout thing. He needs to really put the ball in play with more power as well. And so, yeah, hopefully we can see Gavin cross. Hopefully maybe there was one thing that he was working on down there and they get that figured out in the spring so that next year he can really get back on track as a prospect because the, I mean, honestly, that's a, I mean, that would be a huge loss if that's a wasted draft pick for you. Uh, that's not something the Royals can really bear as they go forward to have wasted draft picks like that. Yeah, that's 100% true. Uh, I'm talking about Angel Zerpa. He hasn't pitched all that well down there. He's he's 11 and a third innings pitched. He's given up 13 hits. He's given up seven runs, which earned runs, which is bad enough, but seven walks in those 11 and a third innings, seven walks and 14 strikeouts. And he's the guy with major league experience. Like he's the guy, he'll have more major, probably has more major league experience than anyone in the fall league. And yet he's kind of getting roughed up by these prospects, by these non-major league players. And so you kind of hope that he's maybe working on something too and can find a way to sort of develop the stuff necessary to get past these guys at the very least because you think they're probably going to be counting on him at least in the bullpen as a long man or swing guy at some point next year. Royals Weekly is brought to you by Knapp Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? Learning to successfully convert in short yardage situations? Maybe for Andy. It's one freaking yard. One yard. Can't get it ever. Securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family, and Nat Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big faceless corporation we're talking about here. Nat Family Wealth is run by J.C. Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial futures for 20 years. I just saw him at a Halloween party the other day. Uh, he can help with retirement planning so you don't have to work until you're dead. Education planning so your kids learn to read good. Investment management so you can get all that money from out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because trust me, you don't. Check out Knapp Family Wealth at knappfamilywealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P familywealth.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered financial advisor, investment advisor, member FINRA slash SIPC. We are absolutely thrilled to be joined by the esteemed writer of Inside the Crown, our friend and yours, the great David Lesky. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me. 
I gotta, I gotta ask. I, I've gotta ask because I, I always refer to you as Lesky by your last name when I'm talking to Mike or on the show. You probably hear us call you Lesky all the time. Does it matter to you? Can I call you? Okay, all right, that's good, good, because that's that's just how I think of you. No, um, although I will say there's a there's a David Lesky in um, oh where is it? One of the St. Louis suburbs, and um, a few about a year ago, maybe I got an email from some hotel saying that the reservation had been canceled and I'm going, I don't, am I going somewhere? Like I'm, 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 I'm trying to like, like, am I tired? Did I forget that I booked a hotel <laughs> and it turns out it was him. Um, and so I called the hotel. I'm like, Hey, I, that was one of those situations. I was like, I, I feel like I should let them know that this is the wrong person. Now my email address, very generic. Mm. Like if you were to guess David Lesky in any city's email address, you probably type that one in. Um, but uh, yeah, so then I recently got a, another email for him uh, about a Subaru uh, purchase satisfaction survey. And I'm like, I, I drive a Kia. I don't have a Subaru. <laughs> so um, so you can call me Lesky. And, and if um, if the other David Lesky's watching or listening or Whatever, that's that's his problem. It sounds like someone's <laughs> cooking the books here. Like, uh, you, there may be somebody out there living your life, and we don't even know. Maybe I don't know, but I, look, I I wouldn't mind a Subaru. I don't have one. You know, they sound nice. They sound nice. Uh, Mike, I think has one. Anyway, we have big plans for this spotlight segment because I didn't have a real clear sense of like, oh, I just want to talk about this with Lesky, or I just want to talk about that. I want to talk about the whole freaking off season with David Lesky, and so. That's what we're going to do. It's very early in the off-season process, but because we have a whole show to fill, we've decided to make our Spotlight segment a pretty comprehensive one. We're going to try to tackle every off-season topic with you, David, and get a handle on what the Royals might do, could do, will do to make the team better in the next few months. Uh, So I'd like to do this. I think the best way to do it is maybe to tackle it semi-chronologically because we have certain dates in the off-season that are going to sort of come in different phases uh, and, and so I'm going to sort of just break it down by the, what I consider the important dates of the off season. And they, the first few come fast. They come fast. They already came. Like They've already, they're already boom, there. Boom, right? boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, we're already at a couple of It's weird because we sit here and I'm like, oh, nothing's happening. Like it's the off season, but stuff is happening and it's actually happening quickly. Like if you, if you really think about yeah. what's taking place. And so on November 2nd, three days ago was the opening of free agency where now technically players can't sign with other teams, but they can still sign with their own teams in, within until November 7th. So we're going to start with free agency. David, what type of moves do you think the Royals should be looking to make in free agency? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing, obvious, I mean, this is an obvious answer, but pitching. Um, they need clearly to shore up the pitching staff in, in, in a number of ways. I mean, you go back to the, uh, JJ Piccolo and Matt Quattrero press conference from the day after the couple days after the season, whenever that was, they talked about, they've got Cole Reagans, Brady Singer and Jordan Lyles in the rotation. And I'm not entirely convinced that Jordan Lyles is going to be there. Um, but at this point you, you can't fill a third spot until you fill the first two. So <laughs> it's, um, they talked about that, the bullpen, who is in the bullpen, James MacArthur, who I love James MacArthur. I was really, I loved the acquisition, not because I thought he was going to be what he was in September, but I thought it was a really good sign for what the Royals were looking for in pitchers. Um, but he's the one guy you look at and you say, okay, he's part of the bullpen. He had one good month. So to to look at, at, at the Royals bullpen, 
you could argue, I mean, he's in there, MacArthur for sure. And Carlos Hernandez also, he's in there as of right now because that kind of stuff and and the first half that he had and all that, when you have eight spots in the bullpen and one guy penciled in, Carlos Hernandez is the second guy. Um, But there's a lot of openings there. And so that's, that's the, that's gotta be the focus because you look at the offense and I, I think they, they want and could use a veteran bat in the middle, um, especially if and when they trade Salvador Perez. But I think they could. I think that if they address, if they were only have to address one thing, pitching would be it. Um, and to be honest, pitching is the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and maybe sixth priority <laughs> this winter. And then it then it's that veteran bat. Yeah, I I completely one hundred percent agree. I think that's what we've been talking about for the whole second half of the season. First off, I just have to give you props because I don't know when I'll get another chance to do it. The article that you wrote the other day on the pitch values from the seven pitchers, absolutely phenomenal. If you guys haven't read that, go read that. It was really, really good. Um, Gives you you some great insights on, on how the Royals can get some guys in the pitching staff and look at some of those individual pitches and find targeted areas where they can not only improve the guys that they have, but then you can go out and look at free agency through that lens and hopefully they are looking at it through that lens because that's how you get some guys that maybe other throw your good pitches more. Exactly, right? <laughs> who who can you go? Hey, he's got at least got a good pitch, and we can make another one a good one. If you can do that, yep. you, you've done what you did with Cole Reagans. And maybe the product, the end yeah. product isn't going to be that good, but you're gonna get value in a third or fourth starter or a bullpen guy that nobody that you stole, basically. You know, you're gonna find guys that you can steal, especially when you can't compete with for the big money guys. So um, that was a great article. And I hope the Royals are uh, using similar thinking. Let me put it that way. You know, I, I, not to, not to derail, but I can tell you that from what I understand, what they are doing today is light years ahead of what they were doing 24 months ago. Um, 12 months ago too, I guess they didn't hire Sweeney and Bove and all them until like, well, I, I can tell you they hired, um, Brian Sweeney on November or on December 1st, because we had taken my daughter home from the hospital. She was born on November 29th. And, um, I was like, I gotta write this article. Uh, <laughs> and my <laughs> wife was like, no, you don't. Um, but I did anyway. So, um, so maybe 12 months later, they are, they are that, they are that far <laughs> ahead of where they were even then. So yeah, it's, I'm not saying they're, they're there and that they're like, the Rays or whoever, Um, but it's a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think what both of you are saying in that article that uh, that post that uh, David wrote, everybody should go out and read it. It's incredible. But it also gets you thinking like, and and what Mike was saying, along with Mike was saying, that they need to take an approach that looks both at significant free agent signings, but also looks to scrape the bottom of the barrel and really create value from that. Look at the best teams out there. Their bullpens have a lot of guys who they got off a scrap heap, who they found and turned into something better, right? Or their rotations will occasionally have one of those guys. The Royals are going to have to take an all uh, all hands on deck approach to whatever they're doing to flip around this rotation because, or the rotation and the bullpen, because they need so much improvement. It needs to be, tremendous and drastic improvement. And the only way you do that is by looking at every single avenue you could potentially have and saying, hey, that guy's got one pitch. I know he pitches an independent ball, but he's got one pitch. I know he's like a rule five guy, but he's got one pitch and we can give him a second. Like that's that's where it all starts. It's got to be some sort of approach that looks at not just the 
you know, Aaron Nola's and this, even, even Martin Perez's and Seth Lugo's of the world. It's got to look at the guys nobody's ever heard of who they're going to find way out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, my, with that in mind, Lesky, are there any players free agency wise that you think they should be looking at the Royals themselves guys you particularly like? Yeah, quite a few. Um, I mean, the market's not great, but again, like you said, they have so many holes that you can't, you've got to look at guys who may be able to be rehabilitated and, and resuscitated almost in their careers. And so, I mean, I think I've heard from multiple people, Sonny Gray seems like a pipe dream. And I think he probably is, but I've also heard from multiple people that he loves Kansas city. Why? I don't, I mean, Joe Carter lived in Kansas city and didn't sign with the Royals. But, I understand why I would love, love the city. The city is great, but why the team? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if he loves the world. Uh, <laughs> and so that, that that's where it's like, okay, well, probably not. But um, it it's better to he if you're if you're targeting Sunny Gray, it's better that he loves Kansas City than hates Kansas City. Yeah. So I mean, there, there's at least that. Um, so he he'd be a target for me. Um, but then you look elsewhere. Frankie Montas is a guy who I'm really intrigued by, just because um, you're probably getting him dirt cheap. I mean, he threw. We saw his. I think it was either an inning and a third or inning and two thirds. We saw it. It was the last, the second to last game of the season in Kansas City for the Yankees. He got into one game this year. That was it. You're not going to pay out the nose for that. But what Frankie Montas was prior to 2023 was a guy who was going to get the Taiwan Walker deal. The the um, oh, I'm blanking on the guy from Jamison Tyon. The Jamison Tyon deal. You know, he was going to get one of those deals, and now he's not. And so if if you can, obviously, physical, all that, but if you can get that for a year and $4 million with some incentives or even a year and $8 million with incentives, try it. You're paying Jordan Lyles $8.5 million. Frankie Montas, if he's healthy, is 10 times the pitcher Jordan Lyles is. So him, to, to a lesser extent, Luis Severino from the Yankees also. I think he's a guy that you can maybe get for um, for a pretty big discount with, with really good stuff and, and really good recent results. But um, also Seth Lugo, I think is a guy, um, you know, there's, uh, Eric Lauer is a guy who I'm really, I've been intrigued by for a couple of years. I, he's not a, you're not going to get number one out of him, but he's a guy who I, I feel like can fit in the back of a rotation or as a, a two or three inning reliever periodically. Um, <clears throat> so he, he's one the switch the bullpen. Phil Maton, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, Ryan Stanek, bring him home. He makes a lot of sense. Who else? Uh, Emilio Pagan, um, I think makes quite a bit of sense for this team. <clears throat> and it's funny when you start to look at these guys, Phil Maton ties with Brian Sweeney from Cleveland. Um, Stanek ties with Quatrero. Pagan ties with Quatrero and Zach Bowe from, from Minnesota. So you've got some, some ties there that might actually make things, you know, maybe, maybe there's something there. And I guess Sonny Gray with Zach Bowe as well. Um, which I don't know if that works in the Royals' favor or not with him because when Bove was there was when the Twins were pulling him early and he was really upset about that. So, you know, it goes both ways. Um, And then you look at the position players, there's not much out there. It's a pretty bad market unless you're playing at the top, which the Royals aren't going to. And even if you are playing at the top, who is it? Cody Bellinger. Do you you want to give him the $200 million that I think he has a good chance to get? He was non-tendered a year ago um matt chapman is a league average hitter and the defense is good not great at this point i wouldn't pay yeah, that. waning for Shohei sure Otani. yeah, yeah. otani is obviously number one i'd pay it they royals aren't going to um and that's fine i, I get it it's whatever 
But so what, where else are you looking? The only name that I keep coming back to <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me is Lourdes Guriel. Um, good defender, has some power. You know, he's he's a guy who I think makes a lot of sense on this team, especially going back to that press conference. They said they're going to look at outfielders. The, the infield is set. They're, if they're going to add bats, it's going to be in the outfield. Okay, there you go. It's not going to be Jorge Soler. Um, they're not going to bring him back, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but do you, do you need to bring him back with Nelson Velasquez? Or maybe that's an opportunity for a trade. There's there's a lot of potential moving parts, but um, there's not a lot of, I mean, not a lot in the way of bats <laughs> on the free agent market that that are what the Royals need in their price range and, and all that. So it's really the focus there is to me is on arms. And I think those are a few. Um, who, what do you guys have that's that's different? Who, who am I missing? <laughs> well, the, the only guys that I have, I think, are, are more for the top end. The, the Lucas Giolito. Um, I, I would I would definitely look into yeah. Lucas Giolito. Uh, Martin Perez, Marcus, or Mark, I mentioned him earlier. Um, he's kind of, these are both kind of bounce back guys, but if you look into Giolito's past, he's been at least steady for a long period of time and yeah. the years that have been bad, you know, his XFIP is still okay. And, and you're still looking at some of those things, maybe a Michael Walker, uh, who looks in the last two years, yeah. like he's gone back to the Michael Walker. We thought he could be early in St. Louis. Um, some of those guys, I think, I think the interesting thing that's happened in the last just few days has been how the market for starting pitchers will change now because there's guys opting out of the la- uh, of mutual options. Uh, we saw Stroman, I think, yesterday or the day before, and Sean Manaya tonight. Yeah. The news just came out tonight that Manaya is going to be on the market too. So um, those are all interesting guys. I don't know that the Royals will be able to get any of them, but they're definitely going to change the market. And so I think that's kind of interesting. Maybe a Michael Walker is a little cheaper now because there is a Marcus Stroman or a Sean Manaya. And so yeah. I think that's interesting. Another guy that just tickles my fancy because the bullpen is so bad. Jordan Hicks. Uh, Jordan Hicks yeah. is a thrower of the baseball. I mean, the guy strikes out like 11, over 11 guys per nine. Um, he walks too many guys. That's for sure. But he's a guy that I would go get because I feel like there were times last year, I mean, the bullpen was bad at everything, but there were times last year when the bullpen, no matter who they went to, you were like, well, they're not getting a strikeout. That's not happening. Um, right. And so that's that, that would be an interesting guy for me on, on the bullpen side. There's a lot of guys, though, they could go out. I love Ryan, Ryan Stanek as well. I think he's similar, actually, in that in that he'll, he'll get a strikeout too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I like the guys that you talked about, but I, if I was going to go get one stabilizing force, I'd probably look at Lucas Giolito. Oh, I forgot about Will Smith, who makes the Royals World Series champions immediately. Yeah, immediately. So, did I say Will Smith? Because I haven't written down. I don't know if I said it. Will Smith, World <laughs> Series champion. Just book it. Yeah. I think based on his discography, he's probably headed to Miami. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if anybody's gonna. Uh, that's that's the terrible joke I've ever told in my life. <laughs> Lesky just just it's uh, the put city the city that keeps Royals the roof blazing. <laughs> Yeah. What if I brought this whole I, podcast I, I, down I, I, with one I, terrible Will Smith joke? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Anyway, I wanted to throw in a, just a couple couple names in there that you guys haven't, uh, or maybe you have already. I don't know. Uh, Jack Flaherty is a guy a lot of people are really interested in as a pitcher. Still 28 years old. Still like, you know, looks like he could have some best days ahead of him perhaps. Or uh, people are hopeful that he, he'd be a little bit of a bounce back too because he had a pretty bad year with the Cardinals and I think Baltimore after that. He's very Gilmeshian. Yeah, Gilmeshian. That's great. That's a great, uh, that's I mean, a great it, way to put it, it. 
it's kind of a that that if, if you're looking for a tie of what they did what 16 years ago 17 years ago geez um <clears throat> flarity is kind of on par with kill mesh good you know that's interesting and remember that pitchers often peak later than hitters. So 28 isn't like overly old for a pitcher. Uh, a lot of guys will hit their primes around 28, 29, 30 uh, as a pitcher as they learn more about the game, but their arm can still do pretty impressive things. And so Flaherty might be a guy who really represents uh, a bot, not by low in the sense that he was terrible or is like a complete reclamation, but he still may have a little bit of ceiling left in there. And I find that interesting. On the position player side, I'm looking at a guy like Jamer Candelario, as if they're, I know they're not interested in, in, in infield guys. I, I think that's a mistake, honestly. I think the fact that it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to say we need outfield help because they have Nelson Velazquez, MJ Melendez, and Kyle Isbell and Drew Waters, and but not to say like we're solidified at second base where Mac, Michael Massey had like what, 70, 75, 80 weighted runs created plus. It just doesn't make any sense to say like the infield is solidified when Michael Massey was out there. Even Michael Garcia to a degree with an 84 or something like that weighted runs created plus at third base. It wasn't a tremendous offensive season for either of those two positions. So I don't know that it makes sense to say we definitely need outfield help, but we're perfect on the infield. That doesn't make any sense to me. So I think getting a guy like Candelario could solidify third base a little bit. You could move Garcia to second. That would allow him to play a little bit, a position that fits his profile a little better anyway. Um, and so that's just a thought on, on a potential free agent. But you're right. The free agent bats are not tremendous right now. And so that's probably not, that's why you're you're absolutely correct to think pitching, I think, is, is the number one target. After uh, the opening of the free agent period, we're going to come up soon. What is it? Like uh, nine days. We'll hit November 14th, which is the deadline to protect players from the Rule 5 draft. Uh, if you don't know how this works, basically, if you if a prospect has a certain amount of time in pro ball and isn't on a 40-man roster, they're eligible to be selected in the Rule 5 draft. David, how do you think the Royals should be preparing for the Rule 5 draft? Uh, you know, I, I think that they need to protect Tyler Gentry. They need to protect Will, Will Klein. Um, I'm blanking on one more name. Um, There's just one other guy. I can't remember who it is. Okay. Are you thinking um, Christian Chamberlain? No. no. Well, I think I, I think he's eligible, but I don't think they have to protect him, to be honest. Um, okay. Maybe it's nobody. Maybe maybe they got they got Luciano up. They got Lofton up. So maybe, maybe I'm I'm sure I'm I'm sure I'm just totally blanking on whoever it is. So they, they need to create the spots. And right now, as of right now, um, and with how fast this moves, like when people if you're listening to this later, you it may not this may not be accurate, but they are right at forty on the forty man roster and. Um, they need to create at least two spots. I, I feel like there's a third that I'm just totally blanking on. And it doesn't matter. Um, but also, and they have a little more time on this, but they're going to need, I, I, I believe they should clear some spots as well, because I think they should be active in the rule of five is when, when, when the actual draft comes around. So, which I know we'll get to, but, um, you know, I, I think that that's they don't they don't have a ton of work to do, but I think that they should have a spot open um, or two spots open because they are a 106 loss team. And and even if you look at them and say, OK, well, their Pythagorean record was 64 and 98, which I I think if you if you add some relief help and you also take into account that they'll probably, you know, r- go a little bit the other way in terms of luck next season because things tend to even out. Even if you say, okay, they are a 98 loss team, that's still a 98 loss team. 
I mean, in order to get to the 78 losses from the Diamondbacks, if you want to, if you want to compare them, that's still 20 more wins that they have to find. Take a chance on a rule five guy. You might find Brad Keller. Um, and, and might find you Soria. Might find Didn't they get Soria in the rule? Yeah. Five? You might find yeah. um, maybe, maybe a one year in a kill Badu. I mean, you know, I mean, there are, there are, I think Dan Ugla was a rule five guy. guy. I mean, Josh Hamilton, different story, but um, yeah, you're thinking relief pitching though, right? Well, no, maybe. I mean, I I think generally, if you're going to get a if you're going to get a pitcher, they are probably not going to start the year in your rotation. Um, I think that your best case scenario is the Brad Keller route, where you get a guy who throws you know low leverage innings in April, medium leverage in May high leverage in June and you, you start to stretch out in June or July. I think, I think that's kind of where you, where you typically go, but um, pitching in general, I, I think is, is the kind of the, the, the best bet in the rule five draft. I, I, every, I haven't done this yet this year, but every year I go through all the rule five eligible, not all, but the, the important ones. And, and I, <clears throat> I try to look at strikeout and walk rate for both pitchers and hitters, because that tends to be the best indicator of big league success. That's easily searchable. Um, and there's, there's a lot of other things obviously, but if a hitter walks a lot and doesn't strike out a lot, they probably will be able to find some success. If a pitcher strikes out a lot, doesn't walk a lot, they'll probably be able to find some success. Um, and so that's, I haven't done it yet. So I don't, I don't even know who my targets would be, but there's guys out there and the Royals are going to pick um, second in the rule five draft. So they are going to get, their pick of the litter out, you know, minus one. And so um, I think they need a clear spot for that as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I love when teams that are in the Royals situation and we saw, uh, I can't remember if it was Baltimore we saw do it or if Miami was the team that used to do it a lot, but go down and look at starting pitchers in the minor leagues who are rule five eligible and say, do they have one or two pitches that we think we can put them into a bullpen spot? And then you really, you, you're telling them we're turning you into a reliever now in major league baseball. And uh, I really like when teams do that because you can find guys that that have been starters most of their career, and now you're maybe getting an uptick in velocity, and you're also getting something where they're eliminating maybe one or two pitches that did not work for them, and that can that can change guys completely. That can turn them into whole new pitchers, and so I, I really like that approach. And the Royals have so many spots to fill in that bullpen that I think I agree. I think at least leave one spot open, maybe two. And see if there's if you're looking down there and you see eligible guys and you're saying we better leave two spots open because there's enough of them. I would do that. Yeah, it's found money, right? The rule five draft is found money. And so you might as well go out and try and find as much as you can. Odds are whoever you get won't work out. But high turnover for teams like the Royals is also a a formula for getting better, right? Like you have to have high turnover so you can see more guys. You can give more guys opportunities, whether they're off the scrap heap or not. You see more guys, you give them more opportunities. Eventually, you find the ones that can stick in Major League Baseball, and then you have assets to either use as a winning ball club or move to get more usable assets or, or whatever. It's it's There is no reason why a team that lost so many games last year shouldn't be interested in a lot of turnover, right? Because obviously, they couldn't get it done last year. So, you know, we mentioned guys before you came on, Lesky, like Jackson Kowar and uh, Josh Stamont and Diego Hernandez and a few others who are obvious cuts to the 40 man in my mind. Uh, now we can quibble over some of them. And we, I actually think there are a couple more beyond those guys who might, you know, have the opportunity to be taken off the 40 man. 
But you're right. Targeting that pitching, looking at guys who have maybe been starters in the minors, you could turn into bullpen guys. These are effective Rule 5 strategies that we got to hope they take. The Rule 5 draft will be in December. Oh, during the winter meetings. That's right. It takes place uh, December 5th, I think, this year. No, that's when the draft lotteries happen. It happened December 6th. I think they moved it to instead of the meetings used to be Monday through Thursday. And I think they're Monday through Wednesday now. Yeah, they're shorter. Or if they're Monday through Thursday, Thursday is not the Rule 5 anymore, maybe. I don't remember. But yeah, so that first week. Yeah, and the day before will become the draft lottery. And we, we, we've we mentioned that the Royals uh, will have the uh, t- t- a shot at the number one overall pick with the best odds to get it. Now, what does that mean? Very little, right? Like, who knows? They're an 18-point-some percent chance, and this is the Royals we're talking about here. So good luck with the seventh overall pick or whatever they're going to end up with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't even lowest thing at least. So. I know, yeah, uh, yeah, but wait, we'll see on that one. Uh, we've talked the rule five, so we don't have to dig any more into that. I do think it's a wonderful opportunity. This whole time, they will have the opportunity though to make trades, and that's sort of been the undercurrent that we haven't discussed yet. Is how will that impact the forty man? How will that impact their ability to bring in more talent into this organization? David, who are you looking at as the best potential trade chips for the Royals this off season, and what kind of return would you want for that? So I think Salvi gets traded. Um, I don't, I don't, well, I was 100% sure of it um, when the report was that Dayton Moore was going to the White Sox. <laughs> and now, now the report is that he's not. So oh, it's all Bob Nightingale. So who knows? Um, but I, I, I think that the White Sox have a lot of interest. The Marlins have had interest. That'll be interesting since they're going to have a new general manager. Um, sounds like it's, um, I'm blanking on his name, the guy from the Rays, who is their current general manager, but doesn't actually have a say. Um, <clears throat> so maybe that changes with with the way they their their player acquisition philosophies. But I think Salvi gets moved. I think he probably gets moved with a lot of money. Um, half his half his contract, two thirds. I don't know what the number is. And that the problem is, I don't I don't know. I'm not sure what they're looking to get back. And and if they're looking to just move him because he wants to be moved and don't care about the return and they don't eat salary, then they won't get back much. If they send them to the White Sox and they eat half the salary, maybe they bring back Jake Eater, who the White Sox got for um, Jake Berger last year, or maybe they get back whoever. I, I, I don't know what the answer is because I don't know how much money they're going to put in. <laughs> and so that makes it difficult on the Salvi front. Um, but other than him, I think MJ Melendez, prob- I'd be, I, I think if you go, going back to that press conference, if you talk about, we're going to acquire outfielders. And then you look at what the Royal situation, they've got MJ Melendez, they've got Ever Oliveras, they've got Kyle Isbell, they've got Drew Waters, they've got Nelson Velasquez, they've got <clears throat> Diron Blanco. Did I miss somebody? I don't think that's I did. That's pretty much um, right. I think that's everybody. They've got a lot of Tyler Gentry. I mean, oh, he's yeah. another guy. You aren't acquiring corner outfielders if you aren't trading corner outfielders because you've got too many. And it's not like you're just going to non-tender MJ Melendez. I mean, you're, you're just not. And so I think Melendez gets moved. I think Olivares gets moved. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Drew Waters got moved because wow. they, I mean, you go back to the original, I mean, I keep going back to that press conference, but they talked about, we, we learned that Kyle Isbell can play center field. They didn't learn anything about Drew Waters in that press conference. <laughs> so that some of the thing, and, and they're just words, but they're all we have to go on right now. And so you look at that and okay, maybe, maybe he's a guy who they, uh, you know, I can actually see him as a non-tender, honestly. Um, I don't think it's likely, but wouldn't, if they try to trade him and nobody wants him, 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he makes it if he makes it to the roster next season. Um, Are you talking about MJ? But or Waters. Drew okay. Waters. Drew Waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but so I think they're they're gonna trade I think they're gonna trade Melendez or at least shop him. And I, I think they're going to trade Oliveras. I don't think that that's a um, shopping situation as much as they're just gonna get what they can get for him. Um, so I think those guys move and I would not be surprised if in an MJ Melendez deal, and it's, it's interesting because it's, it just depends on what MJ Melendez do you believe in. Um, but if he, if you, if, if another team says he's the second half MJ Melendez, maybe you attach Jordan Lyles to that and, and dump that contract. I don't know. Um, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't like the idea, but I think it's, it's a possibility of, of how they might, how they might work that Brady Singer was a guy they were talking about at the deadline. Does his injury at the end of the year change that? In my opinion, probably. Um, I think if you had asked me on September 1st, is he traded? The answer was yes. October 1st, knowing what we know about the velocity dip, back injury, probably, possibly not. But, you know, maybe maybe a team gets a good medical report and says, okay, well, he's going to be back there on 93 next year. And, and at 93, he's he can be successful. So, yes, we're going to trade for him. Again, it's tough to say because we don't we don't know his status, um, but he's another guy who I think could be moved. And you talked about Jamer Candelario. Agreed, 100%. I think he makes a lot of sense. But I wonder if he makes sense in that they're trading in Michael Garcia could be moved. Um, they like the defensive infield. They like what they have with Bobby Witten and, and, and Garcia and Massey too. Um, but Garcia might have more value to another team at his natural position than he does with the Royals at third base. And maybe they can get a a starting pitcher for him. You know, I I'm again, I haven't dug that deep into who needs what, but there are teams that could use a shortstop. I don't know. The Marlins again, (laughs) you know, there there's a fit there. The white Sox just, uh, I don't remember. I don't, I don't know if it's if it was a mutual option or a team option, whatever. Tim Anderson is no longer a White Sox. I mean, so they could use a shortstop. You want to talk about a deal, Salvi and Michael Garcia. Maybe there's a big deal there. Maybe there's something big yeah. coming back. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of potential moving parts, and I, and I think what I really appreciate about JJ Piccolo and that and this front office, which I do think is different than Dayton Moore's front office is they seem to be willing to make moves. They're willing to turn over the roster. I, I I don't remember the number, but I looked at the opening day roster in 2022 versus the roster, like, I think it was right after the trade deadline. Of the 26 guys on the opening day roster, I feel like it was like 10 guys were left. That's a lot of turnover in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I, maybe I'm wrong. I, could, I guess I could go back and look, but I feel like we didn't see that before. Yeah. So they are pretty clearly willing to move through. And I mean, I think you only have to look as far as Framil Reyes is a great example. I don't know that a Dayton Moore led team sends Framil Reyes down like two weeks into the season, three weeks into the season, whenever it was. Um, I feel like it feels like it was earlier than it actually was. I think it was more like late April, but, um, and then moves on from him by May. They just don't do that. I mean, he, they would have said, well, he's going to hit for power. We're going to, we're going to see if he doesn't come around by late June, we'll cut him. No, this, this front office said, no, he's going to the minors. We're done. This is not working. Move on. And I, and I feel like that was a really good indication of, of, of the fact that they're willing to move through players a little bit. So outside of Bobby Witt, outside of Vinny Pasquantino, outside of Cole Reagans, I guess, I don't know who isn't available. 
or for the right price at least. Yeah, that's well, I tell you, the things you just said blew my mind first off because if we see that level of movement, we will know for sure that JJ is not Dayton. This is I don't think we will for the record, but <laughs> like that that's a lot there. of movement. And then the other kind of big thing and I would be excited by that level of movement because I think teams in the Royal situation need to need to be that transactional, but the other thing that rarely happens in in recent Royals history is with Michael Garcia. I think you're right. I think there may be an opportunity here where other teams value him more than the Royals. It's usually very the reverse of that. Usually the Royals right. very much value their guys a lot more. But you're right. If he can't play shortstop, you're never going to maximize his value. And and that's that's a great point. I never really thought about him as a trade candidate for this offseason, but. If it's also the the case where maybe even with an Olivares, you're not going to get much back with just an Edward Olivares, but if that team also wants a Michael Garcia, you should be getting significant amount back because he's point. super controllable. He's young and a little a little bit more uh, pop in that bat, and you're talking about a, a guy who's you know butting up against an All Star appearance. So yeah, that's that's yeah. interesting. I'm just I just want to throw these two things out there. One. The two worst teams in terms of catcher weighted runs created plus last year, Chicago White Sox, Miami Marlins. And so there is an opportunity there to say like, hey, if you want, you need more offense from the catcher position badly. And when I say the worst, they both had 57 weighted runs created plus from their catcher position last year, the entirety of last season. 57. That's terrible. That's Nicky Lopez in his worst year, right? And so there's an opportunity with Miami and with Chicago if they want to get better next year, right? I will also throw out, people have mentioned San Francisco Giants looking for outfield bats. Brandon Crawford is also, I believe, no longer a Giant, may actually be retiring. I'm not sure. He's not with the Giants anymore. I don't know if they have a young shortstop to replace him, but if you could package together an Edward Olivares and a Michael Garcia to a San Francisco, you might have some chance to get some of the pitching depth that they have in their organization. Just throwing that out there. And for, for Garcia, it could be short, could be second. Throwing it out there. Well, and the Giants, they do. Um, I, I can't think of his name. The prospect they brought up last year. Um, I'm blanking on everything. I'm just a terrible guest. But um, <laughs> you don't need it. You're the best. You're the best guest, Lesky. Don't you say that about yourself? Can you write uh, that down, please. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I, I, I'm trying to remember. Anyway, he he can play third because he obviously played third with Crawford there. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a neat the thing that would concern me about the Giants. They are so um, spurned. Spurred, spurred. Why did I say spurred? Anyway, they are they they have gotten passed over so much in free agency that I would. I wonder if they go for the big. I mean, the Otani. Be, they're going to. Uh, well, they're obviously going to. But I wonder if if and the Padres want to trade Juan Soto. Do they trade? Do the Giants jump in? Will the Padres trade him in the division? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't think teams care as much about that as they used to. But. Um, <clears throat> I wonder a little bit if the Royals offer for them wouldn't be too small potatoes when they're trying to tell their fan base, Hey, we can actually get somebody. And I wrote this the other day. I talked to a couple people, a scout, actually this, this was from a scout who was, I was a little bit surprised by this, but he was pretty adamant that Gabe Kapler was causing some of the issues in San Francisco and not getting free agents. So with Bob Melvin, people love Bob Melvin. Um, Maybe they don't get passed over and they they fill their needs that way. So that, that that puts a little bit of a wrench in the Royals because they're actually a perfect trade partner and they have some pitching. The Royals have some outfield. Um, and yeah, they could probably use a, a left side infielder 
in, in some capacity. So it'd be nice. Um, but I guess I, I, I'd be a little bit concerned about the way their free agency plays out there. Uh, we will wrap up our discussion there. Thank you so much, David, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're reading Inside the Crown. Make sure you're following Lesky on Twitter. Twitter, what is that handle, Lesky? It's like at, just at David Lesky? At DB Lesky. I had to think about it. I've only had at it for DB Lesky, years, okay. But, you know. I was going to say, I, I see it every single day, and for some reason it's not in my brain. Uh, thank Let's you so wait. much for joining us. We loved the conversation. We'll... Uh, <laughs> We'll uh, we'll go ahead and bring you back on, of course. And next next time, maybe we have zero technical difficulties. Yeah. Uh, break our streak of of nothing but so far. No, but thank no you so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. We'll end this week's episode the way we end every episode with our just a bit outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, it's been a month since we did this. You got a whole lot of time to think on what you want to talk about in this segment. Tell me what you're you're working with in the in the, the just about outside segment this yeah, week. Yeah, I had I had a tough uh, tough choice here. I was choosing kind of between two, and I went with this one because I wanted to do the grumpy old man thing. So here's my grumpy old man thing hmm. for the day. I am sick and tired of people fighting a war against Thanksgiving. I'm tired of it. Okay, we should not have Halloween and then immediately go to Christmas season. It can't happen, people. We. Thanksgiving is one of the like very truly American holidays, you know, like, and I know the awful story. I'm a history teacher. So I know the awful history of Thanksgiving and, you know, the pilgrims actually killed a bunch of people. I know all that stuff. Okay. But here's why I love Thanksgiving. It doesn't require the raising of funds. <laughs> you know, it doesn't require saving money the whole year so you can participate in it. It doesn't require buying costumes that cost a whole lot of money and all this other stuff. Like Thanksgiving is if it, at its best, it's just people getting together and being grateful, which is awesome. That's an awesome thing. And yet we are like, and eh, we're going to skip over that so we can buy crap and give it to each other that we're just going to throw away or give to somebody else. Like I have a real, and it's not, I'm not anti Christmas either. Completely not anti Christmas. Have, you are I'm not. I, I like Christmas. You hate music. Jesus. And I like. Santa Claus. I don't hate Jesus or Santa Claus. I, I'm not anti. You would have turned him away from that in in a second. <laughs> uh, there'd be tons of rooms, and I'm like, sorry, full up. <laughs> sorry, no vacancy. Oh man, she, she looked like she she looked like she about to pop. Mm-mm, you ain't staying here. All right. Uh, uh, she looked dangerous. Yeah, no, I, thank uh, you. But no, like I I love Christmas. Actually, I really dig. Christmas music. I like the movies. I love all that sort of stuff, but can't we wait and just be grateful and thankful for Thanksgiving football and food people. It's American. The most American holiday is Thanksgiving. Love Thanksgiving for everything that it is. And please, it's been my favorite holiday since we were little tiny kids. And, and every year it feels like it's just getting passed over more and more and more, more and more and more people. I mean, people dig Thanksgiving now more for the, shopping they can do the next day black friday is becoming a bigger holiday than thanksgiving and it's driving me crazy hashtag capitalism anyway <laughs> uh yeah i love to overeat i love to uh, watch football and then fall asleep but this is all these are all thanksgiving's right up my alley it's like a holiday made for me because you know eating a ton of carbs uh and then just falling asleep while football is on that's like my dream and so uh yeah don't be passing up thanksgiving we should all be thankful for the fact that we can one afford so much food and all these other things. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm going to talk about a thing that is also American and that is voting. 
Well, Tuesday what? is election day uh, here in the United States. Generally, uh, it is an off year. Uh, 2023 is an off year election, but super important to still get out there and vote. So make sure that you understand where you need to vote. Make sure you understand what's going to be on the ballot. You can go to this wonderful website called ballotopia.com. Uh, it will explain to you everything that is on the ballot, wherever you live, every initiative, every, um, uh, race with like candidates and things like that, uh, and give you an insight into what the ballot's going to look like so that you can make informed decisions as a voter. Uh, that's the big thing for me because I can't tell you how many people I talk to who do not know what policy positions the party that they often support stands for. They can't tell you anything about any of the candidates or any of the initiatives. And they're just like, I don't know. I just go in and kind of randomly check boxes seemingly, or they vote straight party ticket when they don't even understand what their party is. And it's like, okay, man, maybe it's time to like reevaluate what's going on. Learn a little bit of the issues before you step into the voting booth. Okay. And and I will share and this. Local elections are, are, are no, go ahead. Cause you might be no, getting ready to make my point for me. All right. Local elections are on the ballot a ton and off your elections and they're super important. Do you have like any issue to your day-to-day life, your school district stuff, your city taxes and stuff? We just had tax assessment that people were super complaining about in Kansas City. Well, guess what? Local officials, they're the ones who, who make these policies, right? Like you need to go ahead and vote in those local elections and that's hugely important to the day-to-day runnings of your life. And so these things do impact you whether you know it or not. They all impact you. So make sure you're getting educated about what's on the ballot and going out and voting on Tuesday. Okay, now now my point because you made you made half of it. Uh, one, they're super important, yes, and I always tell people this as a social studies teacher, it's part of my job. I say, hey, the things that you vote for in these off-year elections are going to impact your life way more than the president that you choose. They are. For, for 90% of us, they're, these are going to impact you more. Secondly, your vote is actually going to count more in these elections um, because you're not going to get washed out by a whole bunch of other people because turnout is generally pretty low for these. So turnout is going to be low, which means your vote means a heck of a lot more in these off-year elections than it does in a general or even a midterm election. So uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be voting on Tuesday and uh, I hope everybody else does too. Get out there and vote, educate yourself on the ballot. And then also make sure you're tuning in as frequently as possible to Royals weekly, right? We'll be back in about a month unless something special happens. I think some special stuff is going to happen in between now and December, what early December, December 3rd, I think is the next Sunday we would record. I think a lot of stuff's going to happen. So we might be busting back in with a special episode in between now and then, but until then be good to each other and go Royals.